It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the Bernabeu! Looks like Shaman! Giroud plays it in the middle! Ahead again! And Ramsey arriving! And Arsenal are back in front! Scores in the FA Cup final again! Just as he did! <laughs> Go on, Matt. Saliba! Tequila! I nearly said tequila. Oh, my God. How much has that been going around your head for like the last, what is it now, two days, three days? I've been whistling it. Um, I've been mm. chanting it in my car. Um, my girlfriend got very annoyed at me by um, me shouting it in the car. And she did mm. tell me to politely, but looked very angrily. Um, she politely told me to be quiet. So, um, <laughs> so um, yeah, it's it, it stuck in my head. It is an incredible chant. And I'm like... <laughs> Some of the chart we've re- rewritten the Arsenal songbook, haven't we? Yeah, what's going on? Like, I swear, I remember growing up, and um, there was like the stale years of oh, we're expecting a win. I mean, we went through this a bit last week, didn't we? But yeah. like, we are expecting some, you know, to to win. We probably will drop points. We're all a bit sad. The players are stale. Some of them don't want to be there. We don't really get the project. The, there's a very disconnect between the fans and uh, and the players, and it was either Arsenal, 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 or we are the best team in the world when we very much weren't. And um, apart from a few, you know, Thierry Henrys and this and that, and players who've left, it was a bit like. What do you think of Tottenham? Bit stale, well? huh? yeah, yeah, you know all that sort of stuff. But like we've we've got like it's almost like we're a lower league team. What's going on? Yeah, I I I can't describe the 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 actual energy of these chants they're so creative and i th- I, mm. I think the best thing about it was the uh like we came up with the zinchenko one that stuck in the mind quite quite yeah. a, a long time we have some really good charts as well like because uh, they're not you you always have those sort of like uh, like uh, we had the uh, oh no i think manchester united had oh robin van Persie and, and such sorry to mention his name yeah but um as always he scores what he wants as well uh, scores when he wants and uh, there's like um like the uh, like um uh, the aaron ramsdale chant as well that's quite a common one but these ones are like really imaginative and that, that that's what makes them good and they're really catchy as well yeah. as most of them are going to be um, <laughs> are going to be chanted by our fans for a long, long time. Uh, they they really will, and like I, I've been I've been looking for the source of it, and admittedly, it's it's quite an easy thing to say. Uh, it's the tequila song, yeah. <laughs> obviously, um, and, and I actually did have tacos this weekend as well. So it's been a very, <laughs> very Mexican fun weekend, I must say. But um, so I found somebody. This this tweet has got about three likes. Right, and this was on the eighth of August, so Ooh. a good while ago. Um, and I've not reached out to him yet, but I, I do kind of want to. Adam underscore Cats, who admittedly looks like a, a, someone who works in business. Um, <laughs> he looks about, I'm going to say, 22, 23. And he, and on the eighth of August, he tweeted replying to somebody else who had another sleeper song, saying, "I keep thinking it's simple for this one. Change the word tequila to saliva. Catchy, high energy party atmosphere song." 
and then he posted i'm going to show for those you can see video like you can't really see that but um <laughs> i'll send you the screenshot but somebody has literally said and, and then he's basically posted the tequila song is he the man has somebody ripped it off him has he gone to the game himself we'll never know if he's gone to the game to himself he's a genius and he, he you message him? yeah yeah should should find out the the origin of it because i i don't know if you saw um was it um paul from the arsenal vision podcast um he posted a, vi- yeah. a video of it like just sort of going through the game in terms of saliba makes a really good interception the crowd love it there's a very yeah. very small o william saliba chant and then it just starts quietly the tequila song and right. then, and because what the tequila song is so so good is that it's emphatic when it gets to the you know the, the actual main bit when everyone's chanting tequila or yeah. in this instance saliba so once once um it was like quite quiet the first time once everyone was ch- chanting saliba it went it, like it just went yeah. off like a rocket after that and what made it even better though yeah. was was the the commentators absolutely hating it so it made it even better um for for that for that alone just to see the commentators get really really annoyed yeah 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 the commentators actually did get annoyed themselves didn't they that was so funny and like paddy power tweeted about it i mean you know it's a good song when everyone else recognizes and hears it i mean it's it's another game and again years gone by you couldn't say this but another game where you could only hear the away fans and um i, I think it's got a, a number of different aspects sort of leading up to that you know the the connection between the fans and the players the excitement we've got the fact that we are actually top of the league but also um the i i guess just like kind of the fast starts we get which actually shuts up home crowds in, in a sense i guess um all of which i am sure we'll get on to um but yeah it's been another really exciting week Do you ever find like you, know, you, you and I have probably been podcasting for the same amount of time, and admittedly, that's only a couple of years. But um, it, it, particularly over that time, there's been a lot of downs. Yeah, structural downs where you kind of think, right, this is where we're going. This is how we need to fix it. This is the problem. Here's a solution I can kind of think of. Slash, you know, I've read or whatever. Like, and we've all kind of got similar aims. Whereas it's this is the well our third recorded part podcast, and hopefully our second successfully posted podcast um, that. We're kind of just going, yep, things good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Is this what being a Manchester City fan or a Bayern Munich fan yeah. is like? So, are we going to get bored? <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, when no, your team, no, no. When, let's not say that. Yeah, no. When, when your team is winning, we're not going to get bored. If we, I, I would no. gladly see us win trophies every year until the rest of the time. Mm. I will gladly take that, but. I, I remember doing my doing the podcast at the start and always mentioning at the end of the podcast, football football changes quickly, and yeah, and like always trying to put a positive spin, but not really believing it in terms of, oh yeah, football can change quickly, but really be- thinking that oh, Arsenal are quite like in quite deep trouble. They're going to take years and years before they get back to the top. Are we ever going to get back to the top? Sort of thing. Like, is there mm. a chance that we slide further, and then th- there's the chance that you you have like I, I remember getting worried about Leicester like overtaking us and Everton when they mm. like have the money and Newcastle as well. But the way we've started this season, and, and let's put the caveat out there straight away: 
it's only only yeah. been three games. We understand that, but what three games it's been, and it's just nice to sort of. Last season was. It, I, I know I'm going to make a, 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 a like a joke about it, the like being reborn and stuff, but it really did seem like Arsenal was sort of refreshed and reborn last season, and it's continued into this season. But the the thing about this season is that we're actually really good. Like we're good, we were good last season, but we're really mm. good this season, and that's just such a relief and. I've sort of got my confidence back about being an Arsenal fan. I remember being an Arsenal yeah. fan and sort of like having like that sort of like like little t- like tiny bit of ego sort of thing. It's just like we're like I'm an Arsenal fan. We're we're Arsenal. We're we're incredible. And like you you like even if you may win more trophies than us, we play the best football in the league. You you're not you. There's no comparison. Yeah, but but now it's like that swagger's coming back, and it's sort of and it is. I only mentioned it because of last season, because last season was the sort of Arsenal were re- reborn, and I know Arteta mentioned um, in one of the games about how he was dead and like and being with the players that like, sort of made him alive again. But it felt like that with the fans, and it, sort yeah. of the whole mood around the club is that we we are sort of like reborn again, and it's really good to see. Do you think it's something to do with, I mean, like, uh, in theory, coming fifth and being beaten by Spurs and essentially in, in a roundabout way, caveats aside, bottling it at the end of the season, coming out, the getting, uh, not, not, not coming to the Champions League for eight seasons in a row, all of that stuff. The reason why I think it feels different is because for the first time, I think, we kind of realised that, and this happened at the beginning of last season or mid, mid midway through last season, I'd say, is mm. that we kind of realised I think the club know what they're doing, yeah, and that we're on the right path. Be that Arteta, be that Edu, be that the powers that be above, be that you know, and we can debate it's the end of the hills, really, but you know, the Conkeys are putting money in and, and have ha- happily implemented a strategy. And um, what they did before was unforgivable, and that's a whole different conversation for a whole other day. But as a strategy, it does seem to be working, and there does seem to be a direction. So. Whilst there's a couple of years ago, it was like, crikey, we've got 11 players to change. We've got Raul Sanyei to get rid of. We've got Mizden Tat to get rid of. You know, we've got all of these things we need to change. We're being driven by agents. And now it's like, we got to the end of last season. It's like, no matter where we finish, we know exactly where the gaps are. And we have confidence that the club know where the gaps are. And so we kind of go, even going into the transfer window, we're like, I think they know what they're doing. Mm. And so that gave a piece to it. And that gave a a joy to it and we've seen the Zinchenko coming in filling both that left midfield thing slash the whole of the left you know? yeah. um, and we've got Jesus feeling that energy and performing like I never expected that he could and doing things I didn't I've never seen him do at Man City um, like I've got full confidence in any player that we're linked with now I never get angry no matter almost who it is it's like oh right okay well they've, they know something we don't which isn't something you could say from the previous years gone by and um, obviously now that coming to fruition, it's just um, it's so exciting to be here. Yeah, and I, I think I think the one thing that sort of that I think of is compare where we were. We finished fifth last season, and we finished mm. fifth under Unai Emery in his first season. How 
how did you feel after we finished fifth under Unai Emery? And oh when, my god! And when we finished fifth under Mikel Arteta last season, it's two. Mm. They're the same league position, but they are two wildly different feelings. And we it, lost with. Uh, am I right in saying we lost it at home to Brighton? Yes, with Emery. Yes, yeah, so we um, we lost. Um, we were there. We lost against. Crystal... All we had to do was beat Brighton at home. Yeah, we lost against Crystal Palace, and then I think I don't think we lost to Brighton. I think we drew the Palace one was uh, more. That's right. I, the Palace one was more unforgivable because he played five at the back at home, and he played like an El Nenny. Um, Torreira midfield or El Nenny Xhaka midfield because we were still because we and I think we played uh, Jenkinson right back and Mavropana centre back because we had a Europa League game in the week but that ended Uh... but that ended the season like it didn't feel like encouraging it felt more like it felt more we've bottled this and that's not to say we didn't bottle it last season but the end of last season and this, uh, it felt more like, okay, we have bottled this, but there's so much more to come. And that's the, that's the best thing about it. And they will use that, that disappointment because they were hurting. We saw it in all or nothing and they were hurting yeah. and they will use that as motivation. And I've heard it a lot this week in terms of, a lot of people think that the Invincibles never would have happened if we didn't bottle the league or lose the league the way we did the season before. Yeah. And I think motivation is such a big factor in these things. Look at Liverpool. They lost the league by, what was it, one point and then proceed to go win the league the following season. These mm. are things that are mo- like motivating factors. And obviously these are things you can't like measure or quantify. But the, these are things that are important and can mean a lot to the squad. Spurs got top four, and they have a real like they have two world class players up front. But Arsenal, I I still stand by that Arsenal have more of a team, and they yep. look better set Couldn't for the more. future. Yep, I think um, we'll, we'll get into the teams in a bit, but yeah, I think Spurs uh, have those two world class players up front. They've added depth to their attack. Um, but they're the same team. They they are structurally the same. I, I don't think they'll, they'll get top four. I do believe that, but I don't think they'll... Like you cannot continue a league playing, soak up the game, slash can't defend, and just hope that your world-class players will score up front. They'll get a lot of points. They'll beat a lot of teams, including big teams, but they will struggle, and they have struggled. Like They've not looked great. I think they've got a bit of the touch of an Emery team about them, except with two world-class players up front. Admittedly, I, I still think they're better than that, but mm. um, it, it, it is interesting to see. And, um, you know, I mean, uh, but, but but getting into the game it, it itself, I guess, I mean, you know, let's, let's, let's pick up things with, with Gabriel Jesus it's mm. at the start. It just feels like one of the things we were missing last season and the season before, like whilst we had a Bamiyang as our talisman, it didn't really make everyone else much better. And, Jesus just reminds me of Alexis Sanchez out of nothing something he can just create something out of nothing he will power through a midfield beat two players release um, Martinelli he'll pass it or or shoot and then eventually you know Odegaard slots it home bang that was just a nothing pass from or hoof from Ben Ben White that goal doesn't happen last season we had no players that could do that that would have been a Lacazette tap down back to one 
set again, admittedly, because it's going from somewhere else. So the yada yada, all that sort of stuff. But there was just this physicality, drive, quick feet, dribble. Like he just looks like there's kind of like a mentality element to this as well. Like I, going back to your point a minute ago, even the players who have that win- winning mentality, who we've added to the dressing room in Jesus and Sinchenko, you know, more specifically both of them still have that point to prove. Mm. It's not like they're done and they're a Casemiro or a William, <laughs> you know, who have won everything and are just on a set of paycheck. They've got a point to prove and they're not old. No, no. It's crazy. This is the, the thing about the players we signed are winners, but they are also, they weren't the stars of their team in terms of Zinchenko and, and Jesus. These are players that... Mm. I think have left and want to prove something in terms of that they are quality players and they want to prove and they're winners as well. And they want to prove that. I think Jesus, I, I've never, I, I think I mentioned this last week. I don't think I've ever seen a bigger impact from a player joining the, the team in a yeah. long, long time. He's just absolutely transformed the team and he, his performances have transformed him. He looks revitalized as a as a professional footballer and that's great to see you Zinchenko <laughs> Kyle Walker wasn't lying when he said he was the most technical player in the squad that he saw yeah he's incredible and that that sort of connection that he has on the left wing is, is sort of really good and it and he's sort of a, a cheap co-player because the way, yeah. the way having that technical quality at left back, or well, he doesn't really play left back, but have another additional player of that quality in your team, it, it's just it's great. And I I always remember the old Arsenal teams in terms of we just had so much technical quality, and we are we are back at that level again. You have Erdegaard, you have Saka, you have Martinelli, who's improving his game with technical quality. You have. Jesus, who's got really good technical quality as well as being deadly and dribbling. You've got Zinchenko, you've got Granit Xhaka, who's a really good passer, you've got Party as well. Like you've got all these players that are like even Smith Rowe and Fabio Vieira on the bench. Like that's incredible yeah. levels of I mean Ben White's a great passer as well. I know he's a bit like <laughs> you are starting to lay, name the whole eleven then in terms of technical quality, and that's just Arsenal will we can keep the ball again and dominate and push teams back. And not only can we press, but we can also do the the, the, um, the possession thing as well. And it's just really good to see. And Jesus and Zinchenko are a big part of that. No, well, we have uh, conceded the least XG across the whole league this season. Um, we'll win it all. The least. We'll win it all. And we've conceded the least shots on target. Well, and I'm not necessarily, whilst I think we've massively improved defensively, I'm actually more convinced that we've just changed the way the teams attack against us. Like, by having Jesus, who is at the moment, admittedly, caveats, three games in, all that sort of stuff, the best striker in the league. We have Martinelli, who can skin anyone. We have Zijenko, and for some absolutely reason, crazy to us, but it seems to be working. Xhaka pushing up the pitch, making those runs. We've got Saka on the right who can skin anyone. We've got Martin, uh, Erdegaard who looks like he's can thread a ball through. So we've got these threats up front and we've got these unbelievable threats. And, uh, you know, last season we've got old lead boots, Lacazette, 
Bamyang disinterested, injured all the time. I, I, look, I, that's doing a disservice to, to Emil Smith Rowe, but you know, mm-hmm. who we didn't have available all the time, Emil Smith Rowe. Martinelli, who maybe didn't have the output he did this season, the, the last season he did this season, like, fine. What do you do if you're a Crystal Palace uh, uh, when, at, 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 at um, Selhurst Park? You push up. Yeah. There's no threat. You can push people forward because there's no threat in behind and uh, you can take that risk. And I think attack in the best form of defence, while Saliba has massively improved us, Ben White's looking really comfortable at right back. People aren't attacking us in the same way. And um, it allows us to get more people up the pitch. And that's why you get the Odegaard two goals that he ends up scoring. You know, there's just so many people in the box now. We've got five players up the pitch and five players supplementing that. It's not leaving at the back and trying to play a horseshoe and being tense, you know, a bit nervous. It's it's this whole force of nature, and even Jacker's happy to get forward and we're comfortable mm. doing that because we can put people forward now. It's a it's a very Liverpool Man City hybrid, I'd have to say. You know, it's um, the way we're building a squad, the way we're looking at actually functioning the the rotation in the team. It's um, it's it's insane to see, and when you've got centre backs that can end up scoring. 20-yard screamers <laughs> on their weaker foot. You know, things are things are looking pretty hunky-dory. Caveats, three games in against weaker teams and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it is. But I, I, I think, I know we've mentioned caveats, but isn't this the time to enjoy the season? Like that, it is. That, that is the key about the... Football football fans spend ninety five percent of the time dreading games and getting nervous, and it's it's about time mm. we we just like enjoyed it and had a bit of fun. And I mean, you got you got other teams in the league who are not doing as well as us because you know it's just well not a single one, well not a single one because we're top. So uh, <laughs> it, it's it's, it's going to be back at the Emirates. Well, it's never been at the Emirates. It's going to be back with Arsenal. Uh, but I just, it, I I just the the amount of words that I could say about this team is just it's good and the performances that we put in like obviously it was good to see Odegaard get back into a good performance in this get two goals he needed them as people were, were sort of um, there were some comments coming out about him but. We know his quality mm. on on the ball, and we know his quality uh, in terms of creating chances. But maybe goal scoring is something he he can improve on. But I think that this is something that he has improved on uh, going mm. forward. And then you you've got yeah, so you've got Odegaard who had two goals. Gabriel Jesus we've already talked about, and then you've got Martinelli, you've got Xhaka, Zinchenko, like. The team looks good, and I would be confident in any game now. And like even six months ago, I wouldn't be confident in that. This is just a really yeah. good team, and we're just at a really good level again. And even if Arsenal have, like, I don't think it's realistic Arsenal are going to win the league. They're not going to. But, like, it's now gone from a 0% chance to Arsenal winning the league every season to a 5% chance that it could happen. Yeah. And like, yeah. and that could end in two weeks, like in a month or so. It could end yep. that, we, 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 and we just have to focus on top four, which is probably what's going to happen. But 
at least we we've had that sort of like Arsenal haven't been on top of the league for a long long time and this is just you know a, a good uh, a good place to be even if it's so early in the season and I think like the optimism comes from all the build up to the season the transfer window everything we talked about last season but it also it's also looking around us and City are still a force of nature and they will win the league comfortably by about 10 or 15 points in my prediction. Fine. We all know that. But if you look around us, Chelsea have got a whole, I'm about to sign a Bamiyang when Arsenal let him go on a free. He's 32. Probably will give him a three-year contract at 350k plus. <laughs> they're making the same mistakes we were three and a half years ago, but worse. I don't know what they're doing. They've let Tammy Abraham go. Lukaku cost 100 million quid. They let him go. Uh, they're buying old centre-backs. Uh, the teams aren't really working. I don't really see a structure. Thomas Tuchel can't really seem to work out what he wants. Will they come in the top four? Probably. But I also don't know. United, bottom of the league until yesterday. They had a good game against Liverpool. Fine. Liverpool haven't won yet this season. They've got a really old squad. Um, Klopp has hit his seven years, which is where he starts failing at Dortmund. Hasn't really made any innovative, innovative young signings for a transition. Mm. Um, th- th- I'm not saying these are bad teams and I'm not going to sleep on any of them because I really think they'll come back obviously but really they've all had really easy starts yeah. apart from arguably Chelsea you know at li- mm. Liverpool have had a very easy start at the end of the day United were bottom of the league with no no points when they played them and were very very much favourites people thought it would be a walkover like these are these are all teams in transition who were stuttering and it's there's a con- it's it's not about the Arsenal results. It's the absolute power, force of power in performance that is justifying these results is the, is the exciting thing. And like you say, Fulham, what we've got at the weekend, are a really good team. We haven't played anyone exceptional yet. We've got United away. We've got Spurs coming up. October looks pretty tricky. It's the confidence that we're brewing going into it. It's the exciting element. And um, I just really feel like People are, as I mentioned before, people are going to defend against us differently. But the old, you know, get up Arsenal, they'll they'll buckle. Mm. We've got physicality, we've got momentum, we've got this force of nature, and it's that's what feels different. And of course, we'll have our downs. But um, you know, I think move, moving on, and I guess just to a little bit of n- not negativity, but there are still questions around this team. What happens if we go down? What happens if we don't score in our extremely fast starts which wouldn't happen because we're still quite a patchy team mm. that could be by design because we tend to really start quickly so we might just ease off a bit although I doubt Arteta's the kind of person that's going to implement that so there are still a lot of questions to be answered but you know you can only play the 11 men in front of you not a single other team who have also had very easy starts have have, um, have succeeded in doing that so we can only do what we keep doing and um, who knows who knows how far we could go yeah who who, who knows and the teams you've mentioned like Chelsea look like they, they've had a really bad 2022 under Thomas Tuchel. I know a lot of Chelsea fans are not really satisfied with him. They've had a massive uh, change in, in sort of behind the scenes with obviously Roman leaving and they have a new owner now. So that's obviously going to hit them. I, I, that's a, bit, a big structural change. You've got, and they're obviously looking to buy. <laughs> Todd Bowley is obviously acting as the sort of director of football and is sort of trying to spend 60 million on Anthony Gordon, which is absolutely nuts. And 
nearly 80 million on Wesley Fofana, which again is is nuts, both for decent players, but way, way mm. massive overpays. You've got how much is uh, <clears throat> Saliba worth? Who was the better centre back and Sanetti? Uh, exactly, <laughs> yeah. And then you got mm. you got other players as well, uh, other teams like Manchester City. Obviously, they're probably the fa- like they are the favourites. They're going to win the league, no doubt about it in my mm. mind. But they're adjusting yeah. to a new striker in Erling Haaland. They've lost a lot of players that may have not played a lot, but they are important around the squad. Like sort of like Fernandinho, Jesus, Zinchenko. Like all these, all these players that were really important around Manchester City or have all left, and that this is uh, obviously big, big for them. And uh, obviously lost Aguero last year as well. They lost Sterling as well. Like, yeah, a, it is a transition period. Even if I, I still think they're going to win the league quite easily because that's just what Pep and Man City do. Liverpool, they lost one of their biggest like biggest players in Sadio Mane. Their midfield looks pretty woeful. Like without Fabinho and Thiago, it looks really, really poor. I mean, you saw it last night with Milner and, yeah, and Henderson. Poor. Yeah, they were poor. And well, then how long Salah's contract now? How old is he? Do you know what I mean? Well, Salah. So, yeah, I mean Salah's obviously signed a new deal this summer. So, um, but. I think he's obviously the best player at Liverpool, apart from Van Dijk and Allison. I mean, Van Dijk's defending yesterday was quite hilarious uh, for the Sancho goal. But mm. but without Darwin Nunes, who's obviously a good talent, and Luis Diaz is also a good talent. Without them, like without them two firing, like they got Roberto Firmino, who looks the Brazilian Lacazette at the moment, and. So they're in transition. They might have a tough season. Manchester United, we, I mean, yes, they played really well yesterday, but they are also in transition. They've got a new coach and their squad is not that good. And Spurs, obviously, you've got Conte, but apart from their, they play woeful football. And apart from their two world-class players, mm. they're quite a woeful team. So I know I spent a long way, winded way to get around it, but Arsenal... They, they, there is an opportunity there. I don't think it will happen, yeah. but you can ju- you can justify it that like in all the caveats that I'm just given that like you can justify it. Put it this way, I think for the last few seasons we've been I don't know, a mid sixty point mid sixties points team. I think we will have a mid seventies points t- season. Yeah. Uh maybe even high seventies. What what will be interesting is if you know if City completely falter, and another couple of teams falter. I think we could have a title winning season, but it would take a huge falter from them. I still think we'll get high seventies in points, yeah. Which is in his- historically has won titles, but I highly doubt we will. I think it's incredibly unrealistic. But I think it still had a huge improvement from what we what we got last season, and um, it's hugely exciting. You know, um, it, it it really is. Um, so, so who knows what's going to happen? Now, in, in a true podcast format, if you were going to talk, if you were going to pick some holes or concerns or areas for improvement in our team, in our performance, maybe even from Bournemouth, what would you, what would you say? Um, that's a good question. I still think the left centre mid and potentially if Saka gets injured, they're sort of weaknesses. 
in terms of the mm. squad. I think there's a few questions about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think if Saka gets injured, we, we, we are quite light in that right wing position. Obviously, we haven't seen Fabio Vieira yet, but I still think we're light. I think we could do with, with another wide player. You've got mm. um, the left centre mid as well. Granit Xhaka's done really well, but you sort of it's sort of a position that you will, you would want to upgrade. But apart from yeah. that, like I know Ramsdale as at the start of the season worked like amazingly, but I still like I mean we we've invested in him now, so there's no point in really saying like well, we could upgrade him. Yes, there are loads of positions we could upgrade and you could talk about maybe back up right back, but I mean if Ben White plays as well as he has been and Saliba has been doing as well as he has, I mean there's no there's no point discussing it because Ben White and Tommy Asu are the right back. Saliba is a, is the centre back mm. that we need. So uh, they're probably the, the small holes, but I'm not really that. Uh, Maybe may like a Plan B striker, so like a sort of like a tall target man striker that could sort of affect things from the bench. But uh, apart from that, no, there's nothing really that I'm too concerned about. Yeah, I think not even Saka gets injured, but obviously Saka gets tired, which I think he will. He's young. Yeah. Um, he'll get rusty with those bad games. But, you know, we've if Saka doesn't perform, we've got Jesus. If Jesus doesn't perform, we've got Martinelli. If Martinelli doesn't perform, we've got Erdegaard. We've got Zinchenko bombing up. We've got, you know, Ben White cutting through the middle. Saliba scoring 20-yard streamers. You know, it's mm. we're sharing the load, which is something we've not been able to do for years. But let's move on. I think that's enough about the game. Um, and admittedly, I think there's just not too many holes to pick. And it's been another way win. At Bournemouth, so who who was your man of the match? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, there was actually quite a, a few. You could give it to Martin Odegaard mm. uh, for his two goals and his constant threat, uh, threat and control. You could give it to Gabriel Jesus again. I mean, he's been exceptional in every game. Mm. Uh, you could give it to Zinchenko, but I think I'm going to go... William Saliba, just because the goal he scored was insane. The song. The, the song as well. The reaction from Mikel Arteta and from Zinchenko when he scored it. Beautiful. And I, I made a comment uh, early, uh, earlier this season on the podcast where I had a feeling that once he gets in the team, he's not coming out of it. And at the moment, mm. he's, he's sort of proving that point. So, uh, yeah, he's my man of the match. Yeah, fair enough. I'm, I'm going to give it Gabriel Jesus. Okay. I think he, yet again, was everywhere. I think he scored an incredible goal, which was unfortunately chopped off for offside, which is debatable, but um, fine. Uh, I think he was unbelievable. I think he created loads. I think he was everywhere. He is just this unleashed beast, almost as if he's been locked away at Man City for years, and obviously even left him there. But, um, God, it's, just, it's just so exciting. So, um Let's uh, let's let's get through the dick of the day, and then we can uh, get on to questions. There's quite a few good ones. And um, who, who was your dick of the day? So that's that's quite a tough one. Actually, my dick of the day is the, uh, is Bar for giving the offside okay. for the offside for Gabriel Jesus' uh, goal, as it was a beautiful goal, and then giving Rashford's goal last night against Manchester United uh, so against weird. Liverpool. So uh, there's a tolerance level. But the tolerance mm. level, and I know apparently we were over the tolerance level by like a couple of millimetres and Rashford wasn't. So 
yeah, it's just it, there's there's always a VAR controversy, so I'm giving them as my dick of the day. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, weirdly on that, like this is something that's different to last season. Not relying on fine margins. We are yeah bringing like do you remember last season we were just focusing on every tiny opportunity that mm. we missed. It was a VAR decision that would change the whole trajectory of the game because it was one one. It would go two one down or it would get single goal talked off because every goal was within one goal or within a point and this and that and it's like now it's we're all right we're two or three goals up doesn't you know there's no it's just you know and there's been a few decisions against us and again fine um for for, for us as well admittedly so i I don't think we've been hard done by at all by any stretch of imagination but it just it completely eliminates that whole conversation it is so refreshing um and that will change throughout the season because there will be much closer games, of course. And I think Fulham will be a tough one. But my dick of the day is um, is Liverpool's doctor. I was going to give it to um, <laughs> Van Dyke, but Liverpool's doctor. So apparently, and I don't know how true this is because I saw it on the most reliable source of all internet sources, and that was Twitter. Um, but apparently, uh, the inhale or asthmatic medicine has a seven-year tolerance effect so <laughs> you'll so genuinely well i say genuinely i read it on twitter uh, let, let, let me read it out because i want to get this right this is hilarious um so you're gonna tell go. me the earth is uh, flat or something ha- now <laughs> no 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 how long do inhalers work for um how long if you, if, if you google how long inhalers work for it's seven years right yeah klopp's dortmund team seven years before he bought Murray. <laughs> all right klopp at liverpool it's been seven years. Weirdly, they all have asthma, and they use steroid-based um, uh, performance-enhancing inhalers because they all have asthma. Crazy. They're, they're the <laughs> highest proportion of group of people in the world with asthma, and suddenly, after seven years, it's starting to fade. <laughs> so are you basically saying now, that Jürgen Klopp's managerial career is all based on lies? It's not based on lies. It's based on fake asthma. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we you only have to go as far as uh, the false positives of COVID to skip in January to skip the Arsenal game um, you know, to realise that they are a bunch of shits. Well, uh, do you know what? I forgot about that. So um, I'm going to back you on this and say the inhalers are finally uh, running out for them. So they're running out of breath. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, they, they literally are. And uh, they're a bunch of cheats. They're a bunch of scum. And I have no no issue saying that. <laughs> um, this is supposed to be a, uh, a reasonable podcast and not very, uh, and particularly rational. But uh, sometimes it's fun to just enjoy it. So Exactly. Um, should we do some questions? Let's do it. Um, we do have some good ones here, actually. Let's go with... Um, Chantapant 3R. So I think it's Chantapanta. You know, we took the three as an E and all that sort of stuff. So um, do you believe that the documentary has humanised the way everyone sees the players? Yes, because it's happened to me as well <laughs> in terms of... I, I, <laughs> Go I, on. I, 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 Granite Xhaka is someone who's frustrated me as a fan over the few years. I mean, he's frustrated most Arsenal fans. But... And I... I I'm someone who works in media, so like I, I'm supposed to know 
the um, the sort of ins and outs of these documentaries sort of thing and to train mm. myself to not like like take it with a pinch of salt and and, and yeah. still because obviously they would have dramatized some things and cherry picked some moments for for the entertainment of the product but I'm I'm am an I'm a football and Arsenal fan after all and Granite Xhaka really humanized to me and I've become really like really like him now and that I think that's sort of like look at the Arsenal fan uh, the Arsenal players when look at Ramsdale when he conceded a goal and he lost his clean sheet look at someone like uh, look, look at Saka look at like all these players who look gutted when they they have a defeat they suffer and I think yep and I think a lot of fans don't see that and I think that's what's and I think they've humanized the the sort of the squad and I think that's probably helped as well so uh, I, I think yes is the answer to that yeah I I do and I I really do actually I think like you say there are people who come across really well Jack is one of them um Arteta I think himself as well yeah well, I think he had a questionable last episode I think he really showed an emotional side to him which um maybe we'll talk about another time but uh, I thought I thought it was really interesting and we kind of forget that he's a developing uh, member of the team as well really you know, yeah very young in in his position in as a coach but um yeah i uh, i also think context is everything and had we dropped a number of points at the beginning of this season i think it would have been less forgivable i think the memes would have been everywhere i think we would have been open to open to some um some abuse online and we would have been down the league, we'd have lost to Palace, let's say, for example, and Xhaka might have been this. And it's like, gee, I, I just think the discourse would have been completely different and fragmentation within the fan group, fan base would have been uh, a bit more prevalent. Uh, but as is the case, it hasn't happened because we've been good enough. And yeah. um, I think I've always said that the, the way in which we start the season will, will provide a context of a lens and how we look at the all or nothing documentary. And I think we can look at it as history now because it's come out where we've won three games at the top of the league. Um, had it been a different way uh, or a different start to the season, I think we would have looked at it quite differently and the pains mm. of the open wounds from Spurs and from Newcastle would have would have been not looked at in history, but as our, as our, our present. Um, so I think, yeah, there's, there's two sides of that. But uh, as it stands, yeah, I think it's really humanised. And apart from anything else, I mean, completely objective, I guess, is, is subjective, I should say. Uh, it kind of made, you know, it made you feel like the players are just so young. You watch this yeah. in like in a completely different context, and you're like, and you're like, um, it makes me feel old. Kids. Yeah, does the net? Yeah, I've just realised accidentally put an Instagram story out of my personal the uh, of the all or nothing thing. Anyway, um, ignore me. That's hilarious. But okay, all right. That's one question. So we've got we've got a few more. Um, we've actually got loads more, so but we'll only do a few because we've been going for forty-five minutes. Okay, we'll do a few more. Um, who's the most promising young player at the moment? And that's from Nico uh, Giorgio. Is saying Saka a cheat? Like because he's just good already, like really good already. How are we defining young? Should we say under twenty-one? Yeah, but Saka is under twenty-one, so he does count. Oh my god, of course he is. He's twenty-two. Yeah. <laughs> Most promising. I think you'd have to say Saka, wouldn't you? I, I guess the only other one I would say is is 
Martinelli and William Saliba are the other two. Like Martinelli, I think, has gone up a gear and he's still incredibly young as well. And mm. how about this then? How about this? You are met you're you're fifty years old now. I'm taking you forward twenty something years, whatever. Yeah. And you're looking back. Who is the player mm. across the game with the biggest legacy where we go, wow, that guy was he was the one. Between those three. So Martinelli Saka and William Saliba. That's difficult. Because that's, I think that's where we can probably measure it, right? Yeah. Because if I... Because you could easily say Saka for that, the biggest legacy. But I might say Saliba just because he also has an incredible um, national team as well. And I think yeah, he's gonna, and I think he's going to be an incredibly good player for that team as well. And uh, like I, d- 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 he should be starting for that France team, not Raphael Varane. And that's how good yeah, he oh, yeah. is, easily. Yeah. So that that legacy he could have is 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 astonishing. He could be an absolute incredible one of the best of the game. So uh, it. Yeah, you've made me choose, but yes, Saliba then. Yeah, I'm just looking. Uh, I I would agree. Um, I'm actually just looking. Who is the youngest ever captain of France? So I kind of he's got Captain Aura, hasn't he? So I'm just. I actually think it was Varane. You know, it could be Varane. Varane. It, it was Varane. Twenty-one. Wow. That's yeah, twenty-one. Wow, how old is Saliba? Twenty. Twenty. No, there's no chance. No. Uh, who's no, captain? Chance, who, that who's captain of France now? Is it? It's not Benzema, is it? I don't I think, think it's still Varane. No, it's Lloris. It makes sense. It's Lloris. It's it? Lloris. Yeah. yeah, of course it is. Yeah, that guy from Dublin. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. God, he'll be over the hill soon anyway. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, there you go. Yeah, I think you answered that question. Oh, he is captain material, though, isn't he? That's that's the thing. I think he'll have that legacy and he'll lead teams somewhere. I don't think he'll be forever with us. Uh, you know, I think he'll move on to like to Real Madrid, but we'll see. Um, Alrighty. So, ten KB official says defense and attack are looking solid, but do you think the central part is still something we lack? So, we did touch upon that on the before, but where do you see the gaps there? So, it, I guess it is left centre mid in terms of where Granny Xhaka plays. But that's only really if, in terms of the, it's, it, the lack of options, and Rana Xhaka mm. stays quite fit throughout a season. So I guess you're looking at more like Thomas Party when he gets in, like if he gets injured and he's had injury problems over the last few seasons. But yes, we could do with a body, but I still think, like in terms of quality wise, I think we're there. But in terms of the quality depth we don't really have so uh, that's something that we can and should address but I don't, I know a lot of people will scream Tielemans but uh, I think the more weeks that go by the more, the less likely, I mean it's, what, eight days until the window closes so uh, the, it's the less likely that we're going to be able to sign him, I think Yeah, I agree and um, this financial fair play thing that's coming around, I actually been looking at and it sounds like it's um, you know, if, if we 
there's a lot of um, things that go in our favor around like salaries and the fact that we've got rid of Aubameyang, Pepe looks like he's going to leave. And there's yeah. really, there's a lot of help we've got there and the people we're bringing in on far, far significant salaries, significantly less, I should say. So uh, I, I have a sneaky, very optimistic <laughs> thought that we'll get both. I think there's an acceptance on my part that there's a lot we don't know about the T-Elements deal. And I think there's, there's a reason why T-Elements has said no so many times to United other than just their crap. Um, I think he knows that we're gonna, he's going to be able to go. I think there's probably something there that's going to allow that to happen. Um, I think there's just priorities that also need to happen before that. I think he knows that. Um, and I think he'll be the perfect player to, to slot in. I think, again, the caveat there is what Vieira is. We just don't know what Vieira is yet. I'm so excited. Looks like to when he played under play. 21s, he was on the right hand side. Me too. Oh my God. We played the under 21s game with with Emil Smith Rowe, which I thought was really interesting. Um, whether that's an indication of that they'll play together and there's a relationship to be built there or. Um, the fact that they both just needed some minutes because they've been injured, it's h- hard to say. Um, and on that note as well, somebody had a question. Um, oh, this isn't great broadcasting, is it? Somebody <laughs> has a really good question about that. I'm not going to be able to find it. Uh, okay, we'll we'll skip past because I actually don't know. But anyway, um, you have to swap. So this is from SRS 2001. Yeah. You have to swap one Prem player into our team. Who would you pick? So swaps, swaps the interesting point. So swap out. So if I'm... Yeah, so let's let's say our first 11 that we played in the last three games. That's a really good question. Uh, for me, it's Kevin De Bruyne for... For... for yeah, but no. th- th- does it have to be the comp- like a comparable player? So you can't be like, so you can't yeah. do like Kevin De Bruyne for Granit Xhaka, even if they like left eight. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be the obvious, like a really good one. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Van Dyke for Gabriel, that would be a good one. Nah, Van Dyke's finished, man. <laughs> Like, I think, like, that was such a Twitter comment. But in in all seriousness, I would rather have, given the structure of where we're going and the formation of our team, the the bank that we'd have to break, the structure we'd have to Mm -hmm. rejig, I'd rather have a 22, 23, whatever a Gabriel is, your old Gabriel, with the rest of the team around him that we have, than a post-ACL, what, 30-year-old Van Dyke now. Okay, and because we're because we're building, aren't we? Like, admittedly, yeah. I'm not saying Gabriel's better than Van Dyke. I'm not an idiot, but you know, um, he's nowhere near it. But you know, that's, I, I think as a squad building and all that sort of stuff, that's why I'd say. Uh, I mean, the the only other ones are like Foden for Odegaard. That would be really good. I love Odegaard, mm. but Foden is something unreal as well. You've got maybe. Maybe Edison for Ramsdale? Mm. Like, one of Edison or Allison for Ramsdale? Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I think any... Like, I don't know who, but... Son, man. 
No, th- Son is different. No, I, I no, don't think he did. Now you took you took the mick out of me for for including Spurs uh, players in my f- fantasy uh, football. I know. Now, yeah, now, enough, now, enough. I just want to put it fair on the. Re- I want to put it on, on the. Re- the I want to put it on the record that I do not put Spurs players in my fantasy team. Much like you, I've set. My, oh, do you not? No, I don't. So, ah, okay, good. good. So, I, so I, it's I, me that's the evil one then, yeah, just by saying that. Yeah. The, right. Uh, the, the only other one I can think of is Jao Cancelo for. For Ben White at right back, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think obviously there is a lot of City players I do that with, obviously. Yeah. And what's what's really interesting is um, because there was a belief, like because of what we've seen from Gabriel Jesus, is like Jesus. There's a lot he, right? there you go. <laughs> there's a lot he wasn't. Um, I mean, that he wasn't doing at City that he's now unleashed that he can do. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that Grealish was doing at Villa that he's now restricted on doing, and that's not because in a proverbial prison or whatever it's mm. because they've got so many good players they're all doing it it would be ridiculous they're putting in a system that clearly works and they're getting 90 plus points a season and they're winning every season mm. right clearly it's a well-oiled machine but it is a machine what on earth can the rest of those players do if Zinchenko and Gabriel Jesus are like that they must be animals I mean you see uh, Grealish is a really good example of that because look at what he could do before he went in the City team and obviously he's very efficient and very different player but you know all that sort of stuff I, I, what on earth can the rest of those players do? I have a prediction about Grealish, actually. I, Go on. I think, I think he would leave City in a, like a few seasons, maybe two. A few? I think he might leave at the end. No, like maybe like within three seasons. I think. Where, and yeah, I, I think, think he, go, where do you think he'll go? I think he'll come to us. That would be so interesting. Like I, 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 how old is he? He's he's in twenty five maybe. Is he? I, I I don't think he's that old. He's twenty six. Yeah. yeah, September. So he's twenty seven in a few weeks. I could see him in an Arsenal shirt. I don't know why. It's just I I I, 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 I was walking to work and I was like like thinking about Grealish and I was like like I was listening to a podcast and I was thinking about Grealish and I was like he's not going to stay at sea. For long, I don't nah, think he won't, he won't. He won't. He'll get bored. He's a more of a he's, and I, he's and I, I yeah, and I just don't think he's that type of player. He's a, he's an old fashioned maverick player that's sort of yeah. just like he can do something out of nothing. And I think he and I think he would fit really well at Arsenal. So that's my yeah. prediction. <laughs> I think Arsenal or Chelsea. Yeah, I can see a Chelsea going in for him. Just not Spurs, please. London. No, God no. Um, okay, Connor, our uh, man of the hour. Um, Lee's back from holiday now. We've got a women's podcast coming up. Um, he, we'll get on to that in another sec. But he has asked, has Erdegaard being made captain hindered Smith-Rose development? No, I don't, I don't think Odegaard being made captain has done that. I think the the emergence of Martinelli has done that. I think, and I agree, and uh, it's more, and like, the fact he's injured, and and yeah, and the fact he's injured, it's more now. Smithrow had a really good half season last season in terms of he could have been easily fighting mm. for player of the season, and it was the injuries that let him down uh, that didn't allow him to get that, and and he could have made that left wing spot his own, and now it's Martinelli's. And I think that's what is the injuries and Martinelli are holding him back basically, but he's still a quality player when he plays, and he just needs that 
game time, and he just needs that when mm. when uh, he just needs to be picked. He he will show it more. I'm sure in the Europa League, for example, he will start really well in that competition. Yeah, I think having the depth we've got now is going to allow Smith Rowe to develop far more because it's going to allow him to not have to be rushed back and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. Um, but it is interesting. I do. It's an interesting point because I, I don't think it's um, now it's as much of an issue. And, and, and in fairness, I don't think it ever was. But at the time when we were getting Odegaard on loan for the first time, Smith Rowe had just come into the team as a ten mm. and was tearing it up. I remember that Chelsea game on Boxing Day, right? Yeah. Away from there, he was just. He was just a force of nature, and it was great. And he just was the the missing link for everybody in the team. He made everybody better. And um, I remember at the time, I think I even tweeted it. I was like, admittedly, stupidly, was like, we've just got Smith Rowe, who looks like an amazing talent. We're going to get Erdegaard, who's now on loan, going to take his space and going to hinder his development. Obviously, it ended up Smith Rowe was always a bit more of a wide player than expected, and. They played together a majority of the end of last season um, and very, very well. And I think that's going to happen a lot this season as well. So, um, yeah, no, I think ultimately ultimately, um, it, it won't hinder him. I think they'll massively complement each other and depth is only a good thing. Yeah, agreed. Um, so, go on, we'll do one last one. Should we do a fun one? Nah, let's do... I don't, uh, let's do... So, everybody's fit. Yeah. Um. So, well, actually, TDM underscore Lama said, who should you start for Arsenal, Tilly or Zinchenko? But I'll reframe that to when they're both fit, what do you do with the team? I think it's, it's a horses for courses sort of choice. I know this is a cop-out, but... but no, it's true. But I, I just think you don't tear apart a winning team for a start. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And mm. I think... Tierney will have plenty of football to play. We're back in Europe this season. We, we've got the draw this Friday for the Europa League. We know who our group stage opponents are finally. And mm. uh, finally back in Europe. And I just think with Tierney, if you want a game where we need to be, he's he's up against a really good wide player, wide forward, you play Tierney because he will give you that structure and, and that defensively solid game. And uh, mm. I think if you want more of control against a low block and you don't really need a left-back defending that much, you play Zinchenko. And both yeah. of them have their qualities. And <laughs> that's, uh, I, I think Arsenal fans are, are a bit sort of... Uh, they're a bit concerned about depth. It's just like, oh, if, yeah. the, if this player plays, then this player's not going to play and he's going to get upset and leave. Not every player is like Matthew Debussy, guys. Like they're not all going to cry after not playing for one game, okay? Like that, the competition is good and it makes us a better team. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think it's um, this whole mindset. It's it's even. I I I find myself doing it all the time. We worry. It's like, oh God, well if he's back, that's going to annoy him. We're going to have to replace him because we're last season we were so first eleven focused. Mm. It was like we were desperate just to get our best players on the pitch, and we couldn't for most of the time. Yeah. So it was can't wait to get X out of the team so we can put him back in and what happens if he leaves and I think we're so caught up in this and you look at Man City who are the pinnacle and we're nowhere near that but like they are the pinnacle of a squad really and certainly were last season um, they had two players in every position who were world class yeah. and they managed them fine <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know I think um, they're all happy to be there in a great squad I think any chance you have a full opportunity to elevate the squad and, and do it so 
Agreed. Um, very exciting, and I, I, I still think, you know, my prediction. If you predicted uh, Grealish in that sense, I'll predict that Tierney hasn't got too long left at this club. Um, That's fair. I think another season. I just think the injuries, the style, even I think might be dating us a little bit. We'll see what happens to him, but I think he'll go to a great club and be a very good fullback for, for another team. I, I mean, top four team as well. I think he will retire back at Celtic. So it's that, yeah. it's that move in between that. But I mean, he's not, but he's not that old. He's still got quite a long career ahead of him. So maybe I, I can see him at like, like potentially like a Villa. Um, that that yeah. would, that that would be a good move for him. Um, but but mm. I mean that's writing him off. I still think he's a quality player and he's still got a lot to offer to to Arsenal. So I'm not going to say that he's going to uh, he's he hasn't got long at the club because I believe in him and I'll back him. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, look, let's leave it there and let's leave it there on a cheer. So I'm just gonna. I know it's not. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I've been waiting to use those. So for obviously listeners, we've got this new software. We finally learned how to use it. It's actually working. Hey, and uh, there's all sorts of things that we can do, which is all very exciting. But look, we'll I'll learn to implement them more next week, and we'll bring in some jokes, little drums, and all that sort of stuff. So it's all very exciting. But Lamet, thanks so much for coming on. Um, God, what an exciting week! I know, I know. Thanks for having me again. And yeah, what an exciting week. And now. We've got to wait, what is it, until Saturday now until Arsenal play again. So it's exciting. We're, we're, we're all in a really good mood. So I uh, hope long may it continue. Absolutely. Fulham at home. It'd be very difficult, but I'm um, hoping that next Monday when we jump back on the podcast, there'll be lots to cheer about. So, Matt, thanks so much for coming on again. The uh, Can You Believe It podcast is available on Spotify, at AFC Met on the old Twitter. Everyone follow him. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>